You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 44, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And coming to you from the home of the Deep Dish Pizza, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the state of Rhode Island, your co-host, John Biggie Matola. Biggie. Biggie or Big E? Like the letter E? Big e. Or like Biggie Smalls or Big E? Biggie Smalls. Like Biggie Smalls? Yeah, because I was reading about the Rocks inductees for this year and I was reading about Biggie Smalls. Oh, because Biggie Smalls is going to be notorious B.I.G. So oh, I thought. Boy. I can't wait to hear everybody get all in an outrage about the fact that a rapper is being put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No! <laughs> Oh, oh, John Lord oh. would be. I don't even know what to say about that. John, John Lord. Lord would be outraged. John Lord probably wouldn't care. Yeah, um, exactly. I don't think he'd be like Biggie. Who? Yeah, I just can't believe. It. I just can't believe it's been forty-three episodes and I've never mentioned deep dish pizza before. I think I think you did in the last, the couple of episodes ago i think that's your shtick now did it no i think i mentioned the chicago hot dog the chicago style hot dog mm. i got a bunch either of either way i've got a bunch of other local cuisine that i can um that i can bring in but no the, i think that's funny now you're doing the local thing and i'm doing like the random nickname thing the random so yeah so like, <laughs> but you always throw me off because you started doing birch nicknames then you started doing rhode island facts now you're just doing random things that are sort of related to what we're talking about so like now now i just I don't know what to guess anymore. Yeah, it's just it's just by my whim. Yeah, there you go. So. All right. So if you want to keep updated on the show, please subscribe and Apple Podcasts to your preferred pod catcher. If you want to keep up to date, is that what I said? <laughs> up to date? Yeah, up to date. Right. I was wondering if that was in my head or not, but then I saw the look on your face. I figured probably not. Um <laughs> You can get Nate's links tired to today, folks. <laughs> I have, I've had a rough couple days. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Um, this should this should invigorate me though. Um, yeah, if you like what you're hearing, you can always become a patron on Patreon. Help new people discover the show by leaving us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We like five star ratings. Um, and speaking of patrons and Patreon, we'd like to thank them our, at the ten dollar super champion tier. Steve Seberg of Name on Anything or All the Worlds of Stage.net, or and All the Worlds of Stage.net, I should say. The $5 tier, Clay Wambacher, and. Uh oh, new patron alert. Greg really? Sealby joining the $5 tier. Thank you. Clay was getting very lonely there ever since um, Steve Seaborg moved up in the world. So uh, I think Greg <laughs> just came in, just felt bad for him, and wanted to keep him company. So thank you, Greg. We appreciate that. At the $3 tier, as always, Peter Gardot, Ian DeRosier, Frank Tealgard Mortensen, and Mock Robach. Rhode <laughs> Island version. The $1 made-up names tier, of course, Elle's Murders and Spacey Noodles. We love you all. Thank you for your support of the show. 
which helped buy John's new microphone. It's thanks to you guys that I sound awesome right now. Yeah, he sounds as, sounds as good as he can. I don't know if it's awesome, but... Well, I had the last episode, or the first episode that I heard that we recorded with this new setup, it sounded like we were in the same room. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds, uh, yeah, it's getting better and better all the time. And we've gotten, you know, feedback too about some of the, um, the audio. So I apologize if some of the audio is a little too low, particularly the Windows episode um, was... It's very difficult when you've got all those different dynamics, when you've got this really, you know, one violin playing, lone violin playing, and then an entire band playing. So um, I think I might even just remaster that one and re-upload it so the audio is a little bit better. But uh, Mm. we do our best to try to get this out there. If you've got any feedback about the audio feed, please let us know. Um, We'd like to thank everybody at the Deep Dive Podcast Network, Riot Sabbath Bloody Podcast, The Simple Man of Skinner Reconsidered, and Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts. And then thanks to the patron saint and archivist of the Deep Purple Podcast, York Planer. We appreciate your support, as always. Um, speaking of York Planer, I, do, I did have a, a message from him after our Windows episode went live. And he said, you remember the um, guy that was reading the German poetry? Yeah. So he wrote and said, the German Vincent Price, that's what I called him, <laughs> is, an, is a German actor, Klaus Lauich, which I might be pronouncing wrong. You won't find him in the album credits because he isn't his part isn't on the album. I don't know why. Maybe just the German language, maybe copyright copyright reasons. So there you go. Did he tell you what he was saying? Klaus. No, he didn't. He didn't give me a translation. Oh, well, maybe next time. (laughs) We'll get an exclusive. Maybe I'll have Jorg on the on the uh, show to do some real time translation. Anyway, here's a word from our sponsor. Fresh way to face the world. Easy, breezy, beautiful. Cover girl. Cover girl, we'd like to thank them for their support of the Deep Purple Podcast and their amazing makeup products. I use their products exclusively. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. You're never prepared for this. No, I'm no, I'm not because I never know what to say. It's yeah. um, what what do yeah, you just, say to that? Just uh, just a little rouge. A little rouge, just yeah. <laughs> Is that like? Does anybody even use that anymore? I feel like that's an '80s whore type thing. <laughs> '80s whore. It's just like you know, get back in the house. You're wearing too much rouge. <laughs> Is that the dad or whatever? You can't yeah. go out looking like that. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, that's too much. Yeah, it's it's one of those. I feel like that's one of those things that you don't hear about anymore. Like, like a lobster thermidor. <laughs> Didn't you bring that up in the last episode? You're like beef stroganoff, yeah. like some of the most 80s sounding dishes that nobody makes anymore. American chop suey. American. Ch- well, you went from lobster thermidor to American chop suey. Quite, oh, yeah, the highbrow, the you low ran brow. the whole the whole gamut. I actually made American chop suey for the kids; they loved it. Yeah, like shepherd's a, pie. Shepherd's pie. Oh yeah, I love shepherd's pie. I haven't made that in a while. Anyway, um, 
I don't know how I went from makeup to food, but well, I know food better. I know food. Better. You're like, I don't have much to say about makeup. Let's talk about food. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, but thanks to CoverGirl, they're, they're the best makeup ever is from CoverGirl. If you say anything to the contrary, you're a damn fool. Buy, buy their makeup and support JoLynn Turner. And just ask the guys in Poison circa 1986. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure Joel Interno was probably wearing some mascara or eyeshadow while he sang sure. that. Um, all right. So we're here today to talk about um, this is something that uh, listeners had actually brought up that we are a subject that we do, which was Deep Purple's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And full disclosure, um, I had and maybe have a hard time caring about this <laughs> and caring about the the hall of fame i was actually on a great episode of um uh alphabetalica where we talked about the deep purple induction to hall of fame it actually was a really fun time talking about it um and i'm sure we'll have some fun talking about it today but as far as like the rock and roll hall of fame like i I both don't really care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I also do not care about the people that are all outraged every single year when their favorite band doesn't get in, but some other band does, and they get all bent out of shape about it. Or, God forbid, someone who is not technically rock and roll gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it's like, oh my God. And the whole, like, we go through the whole cycle every single year. It's the same with this and with the Oscars and with everything just goes through. the And the Super Bowl that we just went through. People all bent out of shape. Oh, it should be a rock and roll band. Why isn't ACDC in the Super Bowl? Or why isn't it this? Ah. People get people get so bent out of shape about it, and I have a really hard time caring. Same. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for uh, listening to this episode. In um, the end. Um. But in, in in the interest of the subject, I think it's I think it is an interesting subject to talk about. There's uh, you know there's kind of. We don't really get too much into the drama usually in this show, but there's some drama surrounding surrounding the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I mean, um, like I was, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show, and I mean, I wanted to, you know, make some somewhat informed comments about this whole thing because, like you, I really like I watch from the sidelines every year as everybody gets outraged uh everybody from eddie trunk on down just are just like oh this one got snubbed and that one got snubbed and i i just have like i have a, um opinions on it but i try to i guess in thinking about it and like you know we're like okay we're going to talk about it like i always try to see both sides of the story because i am not a passionate person about arguing or debating or anything. I just don't like drama. I just like to agree everybody to agree. I don't like disagreeing or debating. I never what when I see like a Facebook thread or something where people are fighting over stuff, I just read it. I never contribute because what like I think we talked about this before. Like what is my opinion going to change? So yeah. you know, I I don't get into that. So I I think that you know, whatever we say is I hopefully going to be more than just being like, you know, I can't believe that they waited that long type <laughs> stuff, you know, which I think is, is kind of stupid. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's definitely some of that. Like it, it is, it, well, I guess we'll get into it. We, we should just for a little brief history on the rock and roll hall of fame. Mm -hmm. Um, it was established April 20th, 1983. 
And there are, what's that? Which I was going to say, when I saw that, it made me think about when we were talking about all the state things that I was naming and you were just like, those don't even have any credibility because they were like only 30 years old. So this institution's a lot younger than I thought it was. Yeah, it's what, 37 years old this year? Wow, that's 30, that was 37 years ago. Holy crap. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it's relatively new in, in, in terms of, pop music and rock and roll music. And honestly, I think a lot of the drama and fighting could easily be avoided if it was just called like what it should be called is the, the popular music museum or something because or the music hall of fame or, or yeah, or maybe the pop music like hall that. of fame because it's the music fall hall of fame, right? Like the first inductee should be like Mozart or whatever, <laughs> you know, but like this is popular music, music, I don't think there's anything in there older than, well, there couldn't be anything in there older than the 19, whatever, 1940s, 1950s. Yeah, I know they have like a criteria, but I'm not, don't ask me what it is like explicitly. Well, there's a few, a few things. One is you have to be, to become eligible, it has to be 25 years after the release of your first record. Mm -hmm. So... And then from their website, it says a nominating committee composed of rock and roll historians select names for the performers category, singers, vocal groups, bands and instrumentalists of all kinds, which are then voted on by roughly 500 experts across the world. Don't know what that means. Those selected to vote include academics, journalists, producers and others with music industry experience. Artists become eligible for induction 25 years after the release of their first record. Criteria include the influence and significance of the artist's contributions to the development and perpetuation of rock and roll. Block approval voting is used with those nominees who receive the most votes being inducted, subject to a minimum of 50% approval. Around five to seven performers are inducted each year. So that's the rundown of how it works. And then I guess what I, uh, one thing I could share is um, there's a list here of, if I didn't break my computer again, uh, there's a list here that I can share of the the rock and roll nominees. Um, See if I can share the screen with you uh, year by year when they were inducted. So we can kind of go through the list and it kind of shed some light on the early days of the the museum and and what was going on. Mm -hmm. So let's see if we can share this with you. Here we go. You see that all right? Um, Yeah, a little bit. So can you see the whole screen? Yeah. Okay. So it looks like the first group of people inducted was 1986. Chuck Berry, James Brown, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Fats Domino, the Everly Brothers, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, Elvis Presley. Not a shabby first group. Um, Now you miss Buddy Holly, too. hmm. I'm sorry. Where's Buddy Holly there? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Skipped over Buddy Holly. Oh, the Everly Brothers. But yeah, I mean, that sounds about what you would expect. Right. So probably very little controversy that year. Like, yeah, okay. (laughs) All of the best people like 50s and 60s like like rock and roll artists people that yeah started american rock and roll exactly then you've get into the second year you've got the coasters which is kind of surprising to me like i don't really uh, know much about them eddie cochran bo diddley aretha franklin marvin gay 
Bill Haley, B.B. King, Clyde McFadder, uh, Ricky Nelson, Roy Orbison, Carl Perkins, Smokey Robinson, Big Joe Turner, Muddy Waters, and Jackie Wilson. So right off the bat from those first two years, you're seeing a ton of artists that are not what I would consider rock and roll. You know, Marvin Gaye, B.B. King, um, Ray Charles, unbelievable musicians and, and songwriters and I love all their stuff, but I mean, BB King, rock and roll. I mean, not really. He's blues. He's straight blues. All right, but see, here's here's where, like, you know, um, I feel like not uh, like I don't know. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this, but just forgetting about who does the voting because right away you said what was it like five hundred experts yeah. or something like that. Um, I mean. I don't know. I feel like it should probably be like a vote put out to like, it should be just like a, a popular vote of like fans. Yeah. Um, but that notwithstanding is, is like, um, you know, you have to really think like what, like you were talking about, Oh, my favorite band isn't inducted or something like that. Well, then I think about the people that I pay attention to or that I hear gripe about it every year are all fans of the type of music that we like, like anything in this vein of music, like Deep Purple, Mm -hmm. like Sabbath, Kiss, right? So we consider that rock and roll, but what is the definition of rock and roll? So when you go back to what the original definition of it is, if it's like, you know, not strictly defined as what we grew up with it as, the roots of it are in that kind of music and blues, jazz, um, swing, uh, hip hop, which is why I can understand why some of these people got in because it's like, sure, you know, Ray Charles, you, you listen to him, you're like, Oh, he's not rock and roll, but I don't know. I would argue that he is the roots of rock and roll because the type of music that he played, uh, you know, is part of those, um, those early genres that influenced it. Um, so that's, that's one argument for it. Um, is what I would say. I mean, that's, that's what I got out of it. When I like, I went and I read what, like what the definition of rock and roll was. And I mean, not, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the, um, the term was coined in Cleveland by the disc jockey or most famously, um, Alan Freed, who, um, coined rock and roll, like the, the other type of people that are on there, like, um, you know, Buddy Holly and Little Richard and, you know, people like that, um, I'm assuming. But earlier on, the term was used in like swing music and, and things like that, no, although not popularly. So it's like if you want to go back to like my guess is that, you know, when they whoever they was. Um, um, whoever started the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame maybe was defining that from its like like kind of root terms of what it was like the, the root of what it was, not just by what do you consider rock and roll now? Well, everything from like Elvis to like deep purple and, and on and on. Yeah. And I think, what do you think about that argument? Yeah. And I remember all of the early, like hip hop acts and like the early eighties and everything they were always in the lyrics talking about how they rock, they rock and they roll and everything, you know, it was like, I really, again, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I, I, I would rather listen to if Ray Charles isn't rock and roll, then 
I don't care because I'd rather listen to Ray Charles and most other rock and roll acts. He's incredible. Um, but but I think it just shows from the very beginning here, you could have people mm-hmm. that are not technically wouldn't be considered rock and roll like James Brown, straight soul, you know, like would you call him rock and roll? I mean, he could. Uh, it depends on how your what your definition is. But at any rate, but but if it but if it falls under that umbrella term of like what rock and roll started as, then then yes. Yeah. I mean, but then the other side of it is, is I could understand like why most people would say that based on all the people that have gotten in, then some of the later nominees, why it should just be called maybe the the popular music hall of fame rather than rock and roll, because I think that most people do think like we do is immediately when you think of rock and roll, who do you think of? Well, not some of these people. Yeah. I mean, Chuck Berry, the first one on the list, obviously is mm. Ch- Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis, little Richard, mm-hmm. Elvis Presley. But then you've got some like soul and blues kind of guys too. But at any rate, these are all legendary performers who, who deserve it for sure. But I mean, they were influenced though of that. I mean, even like, um, I mean, I think didn't even um, don't quote me on this, but didn't even like uh, Coverdale um, like cite like uh, like Otis Redding as like a vocal influence. I'm not sure. Uh, quite possible. I know he was. And I mean, even if he didn't, I mean, you can hear that like in his voice. So, I mean, it's just like uh, and I mean, uh, look at Glenn Hughes. I mean, uh, some of the stuff that he played was like, you know, straight up funk and disco. And then he's done like, you know, some really just like out there, like heavy shit with Tony Iommi uh, to just like he did a blues album like in 1990, I think, which was like kind of a a straight ahead blues album to like, you know, all the other styles that he's done, too. So, I mean, you know, do you you know, that just shows that his influence is like everything. But I mean, I would consider him a rock singer. Of course. Yeah. And musician, I mean, listen to the first Trapeze album and you wouldn't think that like, you know, wh- whatever it was 10 years later, he'd come out with Play Me Out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. But anyway, you got a, that's kind of the beginnings of it in the very early 80s. You got Stevie Wonder getting in there in 1989. The Beatles and the Beach Boys getting in in 1988, which was probably their first eligible year or so. I can't imagine the Beatles would have had to wait much beyond their, uh, <laughs> beyond the mm-hmm. early cutoff there. Um, and then, you know, what people get really, if you scroll down the list here, what people get really upset about is, um, you know, something like, say, Nirvana getting in before Deep Purple and everyone get all up in arms because, oh, Deep Purple's. But there's other factors there. The fact that, you know, Kurt Cobain died, you know, at a very young age early on when the peak of his his fame and that's going to definitely catapult him and nirvana is you can't really argue the influence that they've had on on the music scene on popular music at the time and you know what for for good or for bad however you feel about it and i definitely if you'd asked me 25 years ago i'd be like nirvana so stupid but like i don't you know i i can really appreciate what they did a lot more now that i'm not a you know, a stupid teenager. I I still don't like their music, but I mean, I'll, I mean, I'm not going to deny their, um, their, um, I guess, historical importance, any, any less than the Beatles who they're not, you know, you've known that they've just never resonated with me either, but I'm not going to yeah. deny that they're historically important. Yeah. And there's another you know? one I'm looking at right there. The who, 
never got the who. I don't get it at all. And fittingly, they're being inducted by U2, a band that I get even less um, <laughs> in 1990. But, you know, I can't, I can't deny the impact either of those groups. It's just not, mm-hmm. it, like you said, it does, neither of them resonate with me even in the least. But that's the thing now is, is like, if you go even further up, up the list, then you have like, then, then it gets to the whole thing about um, bands being snubbed because that's the one that yeah. I see is, is like, here, here's a list of bands that got snubbed again. And I mean, I think that that's just everybody like, uh, you know, fans, anybody with an opinion um, kind of being like, okay, there's the eligibility of this band. And like, uh, you know, kiss is a big one. Uh, for me, obviously, is is like they always talked about. Oh, the Hall of Fame doesn't matter. The Hall of Fame is stupid. It sucks. Kiss got snubbed again. Oh, Kiss got inducted. Oh, I don't, we got to go to the ceremony now. And then it's like, and <laughs> that's the thing up. that I don't get is is that all these people shit all over the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it's and not all of them. Not all of them show up because so, like you know there are some people like I think um, Axl Rose wouldn't show up, and he actually sent a letter saying like I don't. They haven't want anybody accepting in my behalf or like I just I reject it. And I think uh, one of the, the Sex Pistols did the same thing. He wrote a letter and was just like, I'm not coming to this thing. But then there are other people that are just straight up, you know, oh, the, the screw the Rock and Hall of Fame. And then they show up and they're like, oh, it's for the fans. And it's just like, <laughs> I really don't know what kind of statement that's making because it's like they go through this whole. You know what I mean? They, they don't like this institution, but they still go to the awards night. You know, and it's it's kind of like confusing to me, like why they would do that. Well, it's a difficult position to be in because if you don't go, you look like you're being a jerk. And if you do go, then you look like you're just you know, kowtowing to that organization or whatever. And then, you know, they're just like, I mean, even there's a uh, there's a uh, like a video, like a two second video of Paul, Paul Stanley going, I'm Paul Stanley and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame can blow me. <laughs> and then there's some people laughing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, you look at you look at their resumes, you know, stuff like that. You look at like, you know, um, the same thing, like, um, you know, um, uh, uh, like a bill or something like that for when a musician comes around. Ace Fraley, they're like rock and roll Hall of Fame inductee. And like, you know, they, they don't have any problems slapping that on there to like, you know, promote themselves. And, you know, and it's it's just like I feel like you should pick one or the other, you know. Yeah. And it, Kiss is a great example, too, because that's a band that. The drama around that was kind of that the, the basically the powers that be at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just didn't like Kiss. They weren't letting them get in, inducted for whatever reason. And even when I was a non-fan of Kiss, that's right, I am now, a, I'm calling myself a Kiss fan. I've heard it, yeah, that's right, it's something you never thought you'd hear me say. Um, <laughs> but I, I appreciate what Kiss does now, and... Um, but even before I liked Kiss, I would not argue. I would not have argued. Oh, Kiss! They, they shouldn't be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's like, well, how many got? How many damn albums have they produced? How how long have they been around? They've been huge. They've done. They've been like a fixture on popular culture for the better part of forty years. To to deny that they belong in this organization is, you're just kind of lying to yourself at that point. Right. But I mean, what is what is belonging to this organization even mean? That's the whole point. This is like, it seems like all uh, our great majority of rock fans, including the bands just hate it. And they're snubbed and they're like all pissed about it because their band does again. And then if their band gets in, they're like, yay, we did it. Yay. You know? And then it's like, 
I don't know. I just think it's really unusual that everybody just like seems to throw a hissy fit over it and they hate it until they get their way and then they seem to like it. Um, right. And even then the rules like don't make any sense because if you stay on the kiss thing, they would only induct the original four members and not any members after that. But you go ahead and you look to deep purple and they inducted Coverdale and Hughes as well as everybody else, but not, but deep, like, deep but purple's they, a, a random assortment. They, uh, they, you know, I we'll get to that in a minute, but, but yeah, deep. but I, but that didn't, but didn't they like, but they did, wasn't it that they had those two guys in, but they had in Nick Semper, but not Rod Evans or something like and that. They, yeah. This is, there's, there's six people that they did not induct and eight people that they did. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah, but, which is that's also really confusing to me. Yeah, it's a confusing. It's definitely weird. And I just um, I th- I feel like. As far as the Rock Hall thing and all that goes, like if, it also feels like that they just kind of manufacture this drama. It's like any any website you read where it's like top 10 albums or top 10 or top 100 guitarists or whatever. They're just they're just written to generate controversy and get clicks and get people to read and get advertising revenue you know so i i just and i can't i can't understand why everyone always falls for it and goes like no how could you possibly say this album was number 10 if this album (laughs) is number five and people ever they fall for it every time and it's the same thing with the rock and roll hall of fame like how can you how can this person get in and this person doesn't get in like because man that's just the way (laughs) the way it works you know yeah i mean it's the same thing with any kind of election process or whatever it's like i mean you can only have so many people every time the voting comes up be part of it you can't have everybody right and i and as far as the rock and roll hall of fame goes it's an american institution and deep purple just isn't that big in america i mean we know this if you're listening to this from europe or elsewhere you might be like what are you talking about but it's just true i mean on the on the radio you've heard you've heard smoke on the water you've heard highway star and you've heard Hush. Have you ever heard not any other song by Deep Purple on the radio other than those three? Maybe Perfect Strangers occasionally. But yeah, maybe 30 years ago. Oh, but now? Yeah, like, I mean like on or like on a classic rock station, they'd only play those hmm. three songs. Like I don't think they're yeah, even I guess be... even Perfect Strangers would be a deeper cut even though it was big at the time, but Right, but it's kind of in that weird zone where it's not considered classic rock even though it's you know, it is 30 years, 30 years old, um, or 35 years old at this point. Right. But it's, uh, you know, that's pretty much in America. Your, your average person on the street knows smoke on the water. They know mm-hmm. highway star and they know hush, but they don't really know it's by deep purple. Cause, but they, right. they hear it and they go, Oh, Oh, that's by deep purple. And that's, and that's it. Like there's not much else. Well, yeah, it's not like anybody's going to, like, recognize getting tighter anytime soon. (laughs) That's definitely not coming up in the rotation. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, you make a a good point there as well, um, that there is a lot of manufactured drama and that, um, you know, in, I guess, in some circles, uh, or, I mean, if you talk about it, then, uh, I mean, Deep Purple was a bigger in America, though, like at one point, I mean, at the beginning of their career, I mean, they yep. weren't doing anything over in in um in their home country, and they were huge over here. Yep, yep, and that pretty much shifted after, which is funny because once they started to get really good, <laughs> they kind of shifted to the other way around. 
<laughs> yeah. I guess the yeah. uh, the UK audience has had more discerning tastes. And it's it's it is very weird how that happens because even I'm like, you know, um like um Kisses Creatures of the Night Tour was like a commercial failure over here. They couldn't even fill stadium like half stadiums, like eleven thousand people, but then they go to Brazil and they play to like two hundred thousand people or something <laughs> like that. And yeah. it's like it's it's just insane, you know, like how or or Australia, you know, they're playing to like just like huge like stadiums of like, you know, screaming fans. So you know it's like how do you even account for that? Yep. You know, how that how that shift happens only a few years later. But I mean, um but anyways, yeah, so Deep Purple, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Uh, so they had a history of not getting in. Their first year that they would have been eligible to get in would have been 1993, which obviously didn't happen. Um, took 20 more years. Wait, 20 more? No, 23 more years. Holy crap. Um, mm-hmm. So the bands that were inducted that year, Ruth Brown, which I'm... I'm ashamed to say I don't really know. Um, mm. uh, Cream, Credence Clearwater Revival, The Doors, um, <laughs> Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. <laughs> yeah, see, some of that I don't yeah, some understand. Of, but some I of them I don't get don't... because it's just like, listen, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit if it's like like you two, like I get it. They deserve to be in the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. Do not care for their music at all. I've never heard anything by them that really did anything for me but i get it but some of these like for all i know frankie lyman and the teenagers are incredible but i've just never heard of them so well and that's the point too is is like i get if we had enough time and read you know read up a like you know a book or something about like maybe frankie lyman and the teenagers were like this hugely influential at like whatever point they were big at and this is why they were considered that then i would i would get it and i would be like oh okay that makes sense but i mean to me, it just sounds like another, you know, band that we had on one of our, you know, Roots of Deep Purple episodes. That's just like, <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, exactly. this is largely forgettable, you know, like kind of like, uh, you know, Richie's first band where he was doing that little, you know, shimmy dance and everything like. Yeah, <laughs> the outlaws. You know, it's like, yeah, I, exactly. I mean, I mean that, I'm, that, I'm, that, I'm reading not, through their their singles right now and not even any of their singles. Oh, well, why do fools fall in love? Maybe. I want you to be my girl. I promise to remember the ABCs of love <laughs> or my, and my favorite of their songs. I'm not a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> oh, that's so fifties. Is it? Are they were fifties band? Uh, yeah, this was 56. Those are all those ah, tracks were see. from 56. Now, um, is there anybody notable? Was there anybody in that? Band I don't that recognize these later? names. Uh, it, the, the Teenagers are an American doo-wop group most noted for being one of rock music's earliest successes, presented to international audiences by DJ Alan Freed. There you go, Alan Freed again. Okay. The group, which made its most popular recordings with young Frankie Lyman as lead singer, is also noted for being okay. rock's first all-teenage act. Ah, oh, so kind of like the first boy band almost. Okay. The, the, the members of the group are Herman Santiago, Jimmy Merchant, Sherman Garns, Frankie Lehman, and... Joe Negroni. I I haven't never heard of any of them. I like, I like a Negroni, <laughs> though. Negroni is a good drink. It's, yeah. It's like Campari, <laughs> gin, and what else is in there? Mm. Sparkling water, lime juice, something like that. Really tasty. I don't know. I'm usually partial to a Aperol Spritz or a Campari oh, Spritz Aperol myself. Aperol Spritz is, is you know, the way around to go. 5 p.m. on a hot summer night. Perfect. All right. Yeah, baby. 
So the last two, um, no, I'm sorry, the last three nine, 1993 inductees are Etta James, mm-hmm. Van Morrison, and Sly and the Family Stone. So, you know, I can see most of those. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if, you, if you're looking at it, I guess, in a historical context, something like Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, even if they were big for like a year or something like that, and they had some kind of influence and then they went away. I mean, I, I could I could get that. You and I went to, we saw Etta James live at Great Woods when she opened for B.B. King. Wow. It was, a long, um, it was a long time ago. I don't remember. It would have been maybe 93, 94, 95. Wow. Okay. I guess I saw Etta James. <laughs> remember? Do you remember going to see B.B. King at least? I think so. Do you remember yeah. the headliner? A gentleman by the name of B.B. King. <laughs> you may have heard of him. I do, I do remember that. And I do remember that. And, I don't remember going with you. <laughs> and Jimmy Va- I don't Jimmy Vaughn was the first act. Oh, to God, I remember this. Is this when um this is this is bad. Did we go with like Eric and I think we went with Eric and, and Derek. Wasn't that like so it was it was Stevie Ray Vaughn's brother, right? Yeah, Jimmy Vaughn was playing and uh oh, God. <laughs> he was playing. <laughs> he was playing we're, we're in uh we're in uh great woods which is this uh big outdoor music whatever venue venue yeah. and it's in attleboro massachusetts and so jimmy jimmy vaughn gets uh, on the mic and says and says ah oh, here's a little song i wrote about a woman from uh from attleboro and then i just look over and you've got your hands cupped over your mouth going bullshit <laughs> loud as you possibly could <laughs> which was uh, which was just an absolute classic moment and it was so true because uh, you know he says that in every city he goes to <laughs> but you're probably oh, the only had his number you're, you're probably the only one who called him out on it so aggressively <laughs> i had oh, i had his number right away didn't i it's just like oh i thought you were going to refer to that other thing which is where the whole time we were just we were just like yelling Stevie Ray. <laughs> I don't remember. Like basically just like screaming his dead brother's name, which is like the most asshole thing to do. I don't remember doing what that. I said apparently. That you must have done no, that with I somebody else. I think I remember else. like me. I I feel like me and me. It and sounds Eric like were something doing you and Eric would have done. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's Jimmy Vaughn. It's like bring out Stevie Ray. You know, which is like the most insensitive stupid thing anybody could say but i mean we were definitely in our teens so i can be forgiven for that i hope i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well, i wouldn't do that now that's, that's pretty bad i don't even remember maybe i just blocked that out ridiculous well no there's let's not get into stuff that we <laughs> have or haven't blocked out because then you'll be reminding me of a bunch of dumb stuff that i, I, said, I think you can sure i think you can be i think you can be appreciated for calling him out on the attleboro lie but <laughs> I can guarantee you he hadn't even heard of Attleboro, Massachusetts before that morning. He's like, what's the name? Yeah, of the-? Like the- he probably asked backstage, what the hell's the name of this town we're in again? Attleboro? Are you sure? It's the name of this one horse town. I thought, we're in- I thought we're in Boston. No, we're just near Boston. It's Attleboro. Okay. All right. No, that's what they would do. All those like, you know, suburbs of Boston or outside Boston areas. They'd be like, hello, Boston. And we'd be like, we're not in Boston, asshole. You know, like <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're in Brookline. Get it right. <laughs> if you if you walk about 16 paces, you'll be in Boston. But we're in Brookline. 
That's so stupid. It's easier to just call but it. But anyway, now that all of our listeners probably hate me um, <laughs> <laughs> or think that I'm hilarious. Um, no, nobody's going to think what that's hilarious. What are we hilarious. talking about? So we saw, we saw Etta James. <laughs> we, <laughs> yes, so we saw Etta James. Moving right along. This is like an all-tangent episode. Mm. Okay, so... We'll get to Deep Purple eventually. The, so there was a lot of anger, obviously, that, oh my god, 1993, they weren't abducted. How is this possible? And this continues on for the next 23 years, every year. Um, mm. I actually found a really funny video. You know those those videos that's like Hitler is mad about blah, 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 and it's a scene from that movie, and you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So there's one that says Hit- Hitler realizes Deep Purple isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I'm not going to play <laughs> it, because obviously the whole joke would be lost here, because it's, you know, Hitler... Yelling in German, uh, which, if you understand German, is just a clip from an actual movie about Hitler. Actually, a really good movie. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you put subtitles over it in English that are just Hitler being upset <laughs> about different things. And this one's about, like, oh, and he's like, I can't believe it. How? He's like, Richie effing Blackmore. How could he not be in the. And he's just going off. So I'll put a link in the show notes. Not going to play it because it would, you know, not translate at all to <laughs> this mm-hmm. format. Um, so there's a lot of controversy surrounding everything. The first thing, so we're going to play some clips. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode. It already is a little bit of a different episode as we're how, like 45 minutes into it or whatever. Um, so this, this, this is uh, Richie Blackmore. Uh, th- well, this is just a, a, um, a written piece. I'm sorry. So Richie Blackmore, there was talk about him not being allowed to attend the the Hall of Fame, and to this day, nobody really knows if he want didn't want to go, or if they didn't want him to go, who knows. Um, but there's an article here, and I'll have links to all the stuff in the show notes. Deep Purple co-founder won't attend Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony, but manager denies he was banned. And the quote from the article is, the lineup we have now has been together for the longest of any incarnation, Ian Pace says. Quite honestly, they should have included Steve and Don, and perhaps short-lived guitarist Tommy Bolin and frontman Joe Lynn Turner. Everybody who's been involved with the band, even for a short time, is instrumental in making it work and ensuring it still exists to this day. Pace acknowledges, so I think if you're going to do it, everybody should have been invited to the club. And that's kind of at the heart of this. And another part of the controversy is it's weird that the band doesn't even get to say who's inducted and who's not. It's just like mm-hmm. they they pick seemingly at random. Well, not not entirely at random. I'm obviously Gillen, Blackmore. These are some key players. But then there's other peripheral people who are mentioned, and there's some that aren't. It's just very very odd. And then the first audio clip uh, play here is just kind of a um, Richie Blackmore. It's actually an interview with Richie Blackmore talking. I can get this open here. Talking about his thoughts on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, oops, let me open this video here. Richie Blackmore, here we go. Him noodling around on the guitar for a few seconds, and I'll find Richie said of his possible induction at the time that he's not exactly the awards accepting type. Uh, A lot of people. A lot of the people in the business come up to me and say, oh, you're, you've been nominated for such and such. Do you want to turn up? And I go, no. <laughs> I'm not really interested in receiving awards and all that self-congratulatory uh, patting on the back by the elitists in the business. It's meaningless, mm. especially when you see some of the other people that have been nominated. 
And um, I always shy away from it. So I think they know that, well, there's no good giving this guy something because he's not even going to turn up and it's going to embarrass them. I have absolutely less than any interest for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, blah, 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 whatever it is. And uh, it's come up a few times, and I've kind of warned them, look, look, I'm not really interested. But you should be in there. And I'm like, why? It, it's, it's meaningless to me. To me, what my heart tells me, you know, if I'm playing up to par, that's, you know, that's, that's what I consider being good. And also, all the people that I do consider good are not in there. All the people that I consider to be brilliant musicians are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's only personalities. It's popular people. That, to me, is not musicians. That's, there's a difference between musician and popular personality. And a lot of people don't understand that. Good news is that a strange drummer, Bun E. Carlos, and the rest of Cheap Trick may be well, there you go. together, even though they're split. That's Richie's well, thoughts you know, on it. I actually agree with them. I mean, that's that's probably like, I mean, it's, you know, typical Richie being like what we consider typical Richie, like, you know, being very, uh, you know, uh, opinionated, whatever. But I, I think he actually made some good points. Absolutely. I agree. I like his boots. In <laughs> his boots. <laughs> it looked like he was like in a weird, like a one of the hobbit homes from hobbiton like because it looked like the ceiling was like really short like he was just like, yeah, kind of crammed yeah, he looked like he was just in a british pub or something like i could just picture him hanging out in like places that have like dark wood and like you know like stained glass windows and like low lighting well, it looked like, like a four and a half foot ceiling i don't know where like he <laughs> was just all crouched down in there but just hanging out like he's he bought like the sets from like the princess bride and was like uh just <laughs> and the, and the leftover costumes and just like is hanging out in that world like forever. Um, so, but I think he made some good points. You know, I mean, that's that's one way to look at it. Roger Glover in inter in, in an interview says, "It's not that special to us. I mean, it's special that people support us. Yes, we're very thankful for that. And lots of people, from Metallica to Alice Cooper to Rush, lots of people wondered why we weren't in there. Actually, we didn't get in twice." meaning the two times, 2013 and 2014, before we got it. And what do you answer that with? Well, it's not that important to us. And now that we've gotten it, it's not, still not that important to us. It hasn't changed my life in any way, except I got a gong and a free mug. But it's a bit of icing on the cake. A friend of mine, when he was getting an award like that, said the real reward for what you do is getting on stage and playing every night. That's the reward. Something like a rec recognition like that, it's just a bit of an icing on the cake. That's it. Not really that important. So that's Roger Glover's feelings on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, so I've got a few like kind of after interviews and stuff, but maybe we should just kind of go right in into it and go right into the Hall of Fame induction. What do you think? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to play this, and we might stop it a few times, but uh, there's a few different basic parts to it first off there's kind of an intro video about the band then we go into lars ulrich's uh, induction speech and then there's inter uh, kind of short speeches from all the members that are up on stage and the people that are there ian gillen roger glover ian pace david coverdale and glenn hughes and then they do a musical performance with the current lineup of the band 
here we go. Let's uh, let me just cue this up. See if I can get this going. All right, find the right spot here in the video. All right, all right. Here we go. The deep purple uh, induction. Strange, actually, because the legend of purple, I suppose, has become greater than we actually were. Nobody gonna take my car, we're gonna race it to the ground. Nobody gonna beat my car, we're gonna break the speed inside. Oh. For the first two years of our existence, we really didn't know what we were doing. It kind of shows. As we were staggering into 1969, Richie and I, but also Pacey the drummer, realized that the band was in danger of not being quite what we'd seen it as. It wasn't until Les Zeppelin came along that we really had a direction. We thought, that's the type of music that we want to play. Right at that point is when Ian Gillan and I joined the band. This guy with this astonishing range, this stratospheric scream. <laughs> That we weren't a sort of progressive band, that we weren't a sort of arty band. We were a hard rock band. We were all, at that time, very much masters of our own sound. Everyone was pushing each other, even harder than it otherwise would have been. never really thought about the mark that I've left on rock and roll by playing basically just four notes. Never a thought did we have that it was going to be the song that it became. One of those magic rock and roll anthems. Things that every one of us could provide made Deep Purple what it was. I'd like you to welcome Glenn Hughes and David Commerdale. It was our characters that formed that band, a Blackmore Lord vision from day one. I think the most important thing is to emote one's soul and to play what one is feeling. This band is pretty fearless, let's be clear. They were never frightened to play a new trail. You included some uh, California Jam stuff there. Oh, that was exciting, yeah. Here's Lars. Good evening. I am Lars Ulrich, and I am... That's right, that's right. That's right. And I am seriously fucking honored to be here. Um, for Christmas, my, uh, my middle son gave me this coat. And seriously, I literally just took the tack off it backstage. The color, I kid you not, says deep purple. Seriously. <laughs> this night is a culmination of two musical journeys. One is mine, 
the other is that of the band that changed my life and rock and roll. Deep Purple were a beautiful contradiction, jamming one classic after another with raw intensity as if they were in a garage playing for no one but themselves, yet at the same time projecting a thousand yard deep stare into the bowels of the arena. Let me, yeah, that's right, bowels, he said bowels. Um, <laughs> let me break this down for you. Singer Ian Gillen, where are you, Ian? Right there. That's right. Center stage, a magnet for the eyes, personifying every trait of epic frontman coolness, screaming his lungs out and reaching notes so high, I'm sure he was breaking glass all over town. Behind him on the drums, little Ian Pace, a rock and roll cocktail of hair, sweat, and spit, somehow managing to wipe the steam off his glasses as he pressed this freight train forward and doing it in eight-inch platform heels. Very impressive, Ian. At stage right, the regal John Lord. I'd never seen, that's right. Oh, this is good. We love John Lord, yes we do. I had never seen anyone get so physical with his organ. <laughs> but I was only nine. Um, <laughs> he did things with the Hammond C3 that no one had ever done before. Firing the results through a wall of Marshall amps and Leslie speakers, uniquely heavying up the sound into uncharted territory. Let me emphasize this, John Lord was the first to truly amplify and distort the Hammond organ. Sadly, we lost him in 2012. Bassist Roger Glover, cowboy hat, paisley shirt, next level smoothness, the one keeping it grounded, groovy, and dare I say, sexy. His eagle-less stage presence <laughs> supported the crossfire and Roger like that. bandmates, disguising a firm vitality as both songwriter and co-producer of the biggest records. And then there was Richie fucking Blackmore. What he did with the guitar did not seem feasible. He played it straight, he played it sideways, upside down and all around. His fingers, hands, arms in a constant ballet of movement and unpredictable motion. The sounds, the screeches, the pick slides, grinding against the speakers, playing it with his ass, his boots, throwing it in the air, all the time projecting a peculiar mix of showmanship, control, and aloofness. With almost no exceptions, every hard rock band of the last 40 years, including mine, traces its lineage back directly to Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, and Deep Purple. That's right. And as far as I'm concerned, these three bands should always been considered equals for their songwriting, their recordings, and their accomplishments. Let me, of course, give a well-deserved shout-out to everyone else who has played a part in this story, including the three other inductees tonight. Singer David Coverdale, who blew... <laughs> who blew me away with his unique bluesy pipes and the quirky mic stand. What the hell was that about? What was that about? Um, <laughs> and bassist Glenn Hughes, white set. 
faces Glenn Hughes, white satin suit, and way cool rocker hair to go with his R&B-influenced vocals. And last, but actually first, original singer Rod Evans, who was the voice of the formative Purple in the late 1960s and on the first hit single, Hush. Don't be shy. So from the eight inductees tonight to the 14 band members who have played in this band, it's obvious that great music often comes from tension and what great music it was. With phenomenal songs, Speed King, Child in Time, Strange Kind of Woman, Highway Star, The Woman from Tokyo, Mistreated, the list goes on. But wait, there's one more song, right? The one featuring perhaps the most classic guitar riff of all time, the first thing anybody learns on a guitar, the riff that has actually been banned from being played in music stores to preserve the sanity of the staff. <laughs> <laughs> the riff that even I, the most illiterate guitar player in the known universe, can actually play. You know the title, Smoke on the Water. Well, come on, man. That's right. But if that's all you know, even to this day, think of it as a big, heavy door into a legacy without end, one that remains as vital as ever in its latest incarnation, touring the world, blowing minds, and still changing lives. There's a picture on the nightstand next to my bed, once again, I kid you not, given to me long ago by my buddy Frank. It's a photo of Deep Purple with my face photoshopped on top of Ian Pace. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. It was a present. That's how much Deep Purple still means to me, to the fans here tonight, and to the millions of followers around the world. They should have been here a long time ago. They are now here where they belong. I've always wanted to say this. Please welcome to the stage and to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Give it up for Deep Purple. So here they go, making their way to the stage. Everyone's wearing sunglasses. Must have been really bright in there. <laughs> that was a really great speech. Yeah, it was. Lars is another guy where I kind of, uh, you know, years ago, just kind of wrote him off, but... He, d he does a really great job with that speech. Who's that lady? That is uh, John Lord's widow. Oh. So here we go. We're at the... Um, anything else about the speech before we press on with the, the band members? Um, well, you know what? I think I kind of get it a little bit more now because I've never seen that speech before. Mm -hmm. um, and... I think that that like he was really like um, he really did a great job with that. But I think what it really what I got out of it was, um, you know, I, I guess I can see a little bit more why it's important, because even though like the the nomination and the politics and everybody being like, ah, screw the Rock Hall and all this Rock Hall of Fame and stuff like that is when you're at the ceremony and, you know, your band is there. Um, it's more about 
being there and the appreciation for them and the the love and support that you want to show to them and the pride you feel that you know your band is being recognized mm-hmm. um like all those words that Lars said uh, you know probably meant more um you know and that they were being broadcast out meant more than you know the the plaques that they gave them or whatever you know they received so it's like um uh, that gives me a little bit more like i said perspective on the whole thing I'm sure there could be a lot of younger folks who, or even maybe not younger folks, but people who are, who grew up on Metallica and just never really thought much about Deep Purple. But if you hear, if say Metallica is your favorite band, but you'd never really listen to Deep Purple, you hear Lars talk that way about them and say, oh, I'm going to check some of their stuff out. Like I've got to exactly. see what, like, I know that's how I got into a lot of things. And sometimes when you listen to the influences or the people that influenced your favorite bands, you're like, eh. <laughs> I don't get it. So that might be the reaction, but I'm sure for a lot of people, I mean, I was into Metallica before Deep Purple, but I just kind of stumbled upon Deep Purple. Mm-hmm. Uh rant so more randomly, not through through this obviously. Um but I I I can I can see an appreciation for both easily. Mm-hmm. Um all right, so we've got um the speeches here starting with none other than Mr. Ian Gillen. Well, thank you, Lars. That was amazing. This is a great honor, and uh, it's very humbling to be amongst this exalted company. I would just like to mention uh, briefly the names of all the people who've been in Deep Purple, whether we've been indicted or not. And uh, starting at the beginning, not only Rod Evans, but also Nick Simper, who played bass in the original band with Ian Pace. Richie Blackmore, and our beloved John Lord. Then Roger Glover came along and I came with him. After that was David Coverdale and Glenn Hughes, and then Tommy Bolin, and uh, Jolyn Turner, and a brief but very important year with uh, Joe Satriani. 22 years ago, uh, Steve Morse joined us. And then there was the new kid on the block, uh, Don Airy, who's been with us merely for 14 years. And uh, that's about it, I think. And every one of them has played their part in uh, this remarkable family. You know, this is not really for us. I think uh, this award is very much for our families and our business connections, our crew, and our fans who have been absolutely amazing over what's been nearly 50 years. That's it. Thank you. This is great. Roger Glover. Where are you? I think it's great that Gillen recognized everybody like that. Like, I think that was a yeah. really big statement for him to make because it would have been very yeah. easy for him. Because I, I always think of Gillen as just kind of dismissing everything else other than like kind of his time in the band. I don't know why I think that, but. Yeah, but hearing him say like like Rod Evans and Nick Simper and like Tommy Boland's names, like just acknowledging them. That was like, because, you know, you think, yeah, you're just like, Oh, he, why would he ever talk about them? That's not his version of the band, but that was really like a, I think like a classy thing for him to do. Like, and like, really, like it or not, really cool. Ian Gillen is the, is the public face of deep purple and has mm-hmm. been for a really long time. So it has a lot of extra weight coming from him. And the fact that he did it like just kind of off the cuff, it wasn't like it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like the concerto where he's reading the lyrics off the floor. Like he, <laughs> he had that at the ready, you know, and 
you know, you could say, oh, that's easy, but you try standing up in front of a few thousand people and trying to even remember your own phone number. It's, it's not that easy. <laughs> I'm sure. Granted, yeah. he's had a little, a little experience being in front of crowds, but all right. Next up, we got Roger Glover. Wow. Finally, finally, we're here. Thank you, Lars, for reading out what I wrote. That's very nice of you. <laughs> and thank you for all your support and, and everyone else that supported us over the years. It takes a small army of people for each one of us to actually be here. And I mean, the word thank you isn't quite enough. Our families, uh, the friends who put up with us not being there, there's an enormous amount of people we should thank, and I'm not going to go through their names because I can't remember them. <laughs> but uh, uh, Tom Hanks liked that one. <laughs> Ian Gillen, John Lord, and Richie Blackmore changed my life forever. And uh, I'm deeply indebted to them, as I am to all you people, for making this possible. The fans rule. You do. Hey, I just realized Glenn Hughes is dressed like Nikki Six from the Theater of Pain album. Really? I was thinking of Beetlejuice. Melody, my love, Miriam, and all those people that have supported us. But not least of all, Bruce Payne, our manager, who's been with us as agent and manager since the early 70s. He's been with us through all the peaks and valleys of our career. Thank you very much. Beetlejuice. Thank you. So, sorry, Roger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every time, every time I see that that get up, I think Beetlejuice. <laughs> don't look, don't look in the mirror. Don't say Glenn Hughes three times, or else he's gonna come. He's to gonna life. come out like space. <laughs> and, and it's funny because I feel like Lars Ulrich's like <sighs> del delivery is like very he's like get a Michael Keaton kind of energy to him. So yeah. this dynamic of like Michael Keaton and somebody dressed oh. like Beetlejuice. Oh. Anyway, nice, uh, nice little speech and thank you from Roger Glover. And uh, next up, I think we got Ian Pace. Uh, hi. Uh, this delightful lady is John Lord's wife, Vicky. Uh, and we thought it was really important and necessary that uh, she would be here to represent our good pal who left us four years ago. So Vicky's going to hold on to this, okay. even though it's quite heavy. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm the guy who's been there from the beginning. I've seen it all. And when I say I've seen it all, I mean it. <laughs> the good, the bad, the, the crazy, uh, the stuff you look back on and go, how the hell did we get in that situation? But bands are a weird conglomeration of people. You can work together and you can create wonderful things. And then you find that you can't deal with each other. <laughs> and. Uh, Bands are strange creatures. They, they have a, a will, soul, a life of their own, and they, they, they're beyond uh, understanding. But when it works, it's pretty damn good. In fact, nothing better. So, for me, thank you very much for this honor. And uh, for all the fans that have been with us for years, 
Thank you very much. And have a great night. <laughs> kind of uh, emotional there in that, you know, he's with John Lord's widow, who is also his... Um, his what John Lord's widow is the twin sister of Ian Pace's wife. So his, his, his good friend's widow and his sister-in-law on stage with him. And she's also the ex-girlfriend of Glenn Hughes. So it's kind of a lot going on. Jesus. It's like a Fleetwood Mac situation going on here. Well, yeah. Both romantically and just musically, all the ties between these people standing on stage is just kind of like kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got David yeah, Coverdale. Yes. Good evening. Not quite as eloquent as my colleagues there. How are you? Nice to see you. Look at him. He's having so much fun. Express my appreciation and gratitude to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the honor of being inducted in such a regarded institution with so many of my heroes. Hendrix, Miles Davis, Muddy Waters, Otis Redding. Incredible company. I would also like to offer my sincere congratulations to all past and present members of Deep Purple, my incredible musical mentor, Richie Blackmore, and particularly the very much missed Tommy Bolin, and of course, the immortal John Lord. I'd like to particularly thank all the fans of Deep Purple around the world who not only keep the music alive, but continue to support all the offshoot bands as well. And last but not least, my amazing, incredible family. My beautiful children, Jasper and Jessica, and the most inspiring person in my life, my beautiful and beloved wife, Cindy. I love you. I love you all. Music has been there for me when no one else was. So thank you. Be safe, be happy, and don't let anybody make you afraid. Wow. Yep, it's pretty much... Uh, Coverdale does not disappoint. No, yeah, it's... it's yeah, it's, it's funny how he starts. Oh, I'm not as eloquent as everyone else. It's like, yeah, you're way more eloquent than everybody he else. He was like the best speaker out of all of them. He was like, he, it was like he practiced or something. <laughs> and he, I'm sure it was. I mean, he probably didn't. He probably just made it up all as he went along because he's just so naturally charismatic and charming and just able yeah. to switch yeah. that on and just be that person. Like, that's exactly who you want kind of representing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just, but so far, I'm like really like impressed with all these guys. Like they're just showing a, a great amount of like class and respect for each other and like the legacy of the band. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know, I just feel it makes you feel really good about it. Yeah. I mean, well, just think of all the connections too of, of all how they work together. I mean, many of them work together in so many different projects outside of Deep Purple, inside of Deep Purple, mm -hmm. Glover producing their albums. I mean, it's just it's uh, quite a quite a rich history there for mm -hmm. everyone on stage. And uh, last but certainly not least, the spaceman himself, Mr. Hughes. Hello, my name is Glenn Hughes, and I am so grateful to have been given the gift of music. I was born in the United Kingdom, but my soul was born in Detroit. <laughs> And I found my way to California at 19 years old, brought to America by my friends in the Moody Blues. I want to thank Roger Glover, actually, for getting me to the Hall of Fame. I replaced him, and uh, I joined the band as a co-lead singer, bass player. We auditioned one man, only one man, 
That man has been my, one of my closest friends for 43 years, David Coverdale. <laughs> to be fortunate enough to play with Richie Blackmore, Ian Pace, and one more time, everybody, give it up for John Lord. Please. I want to thank the greatest girl I've ever known in my entire lifetimes, my wife, soul, and loving partner, Gabrielle Hughes. <laughs> he almost forgot her last name. I'm so, so happy for us. A long time ago, a friend of mine said, you've got to keep forever changing keep forever changing because music is the healer. Ladies and gentlemen, my award is dedicated to the fans. God bless you all and have a lovely, lovely evening. I love it. He's like, my wife, Gabrielle uh, Hughes. What's her last name again? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he seemed a little. He seemed a little. He seemed the most like, like, um, nervous. I don't know, nervous, befuddled or yeah. nervous by like, um, out of all of them. But, um, I don't know. All the speeches, like, I think were great. Yeah, it's 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 nice to it's nice to see the the group like that. So there's the there's the speeches there, and then they of course do a uh, performance with those two ingrates that they can't mention Steve Morrison Don Airy I like in Ian Gillen in typical Ian Gillen fashion you know makes a joke of it by saying like oh they've only been in the band for 22 a years mere, or 14 years a mere 22 and a mere 14 years <laughs> see that's that's what doesn't like that's what I don't get and I mean I'm sure that there's something written about that somewhere um or maybe somebody was wondering about it but so they did induct rod evans but not nick simper right yep and which i thought was i always thought was i knew it was one of them but not the other but then coverdale and hughes got in but not tommy bolin posthumously and not the two newer guys i, I mean i could understand satriani not being in there because he was a fill-in for yeah he was not any proper recordings or anything right but yeah i think that steve morris and don airy should have been um, part of that and it's it's even more confusing like that the the current version of them they played right at this that's who played yes, yep. the current version and if you just go back to that's another confusing thing if you go back to kiss's induction they only wanted the original four to play mm -hmm. not the current band right which is just like so unusual like like how something like this happens like how the decision like i guess it's the decision making process like what goes into it it's almost like like you said like maybe they are trying to create drama like they knew that doing that to kiss and kiss's fans would create like this big thing you what, know, yeah what's gonna what's gonna cause the biggest ruckus Exactly. You know, if we make the original four members of Kiss play, maybe they'll get in a fight. <laughs> or if we if we don't allow Coverdale and Hughes, or if we um, I I don't I think that was probably more of a band management decision, but mm -hmm. uh, it sure would have been great to see. As much as you know, I get tired of interviewers asking, "Would you play with Richie again?" It would have been nice to see Richie be up there and and have 
Hughes and Coverdale come, like do like a met like a Super Bowl style medley where they busted out Burn and then went back into something else, you know. But just, and I think it's a to- entirely possible because you know what that made me think of is is just like they did the Butterfly Ball, they did Windows, they did all these other projects where like basically everybody up there on stage they had all performed together like in some capacity even if they weren't on stage at the same time i mean it's like you know knowing what we know about uh, i like how they acknowledged all the offshoot bands i think that was was that coverdale they called it that um ian gillen well i think it was gillen or coverdale and he mentioned the offshoot bands that's the acknowledgement of like basically what our podcast is is dedicated to Mm -hmm. um which is just like i mean like, look at the butterfly ball, right? It's just like Ian Gillen, Glenn Hughes, Roger Glover, like Coverdale, they were all involved in that. John so, Lord I mean, it's in the not, live version. Yeah. So, it's not outside the, you know, stretch of the imagination that they could have all performed well, you've got that Don, night. Don Aries' history with, with, with Rainbow and everything. Like, I mean, he's got, if you can, if you consider that, he's been with, with this group on and off for this entire amount of time, too. I mean, he's been swimming in the same circles as them. Yeah. I mean, it was still it was still great to see them all on stage yeah. together and acknowledge each other and, you know, the the history of the band and and, you know, acknowledge Richie with a lot of uh, respect and, and, you know, pay tribute to John Lord, which, you know, is when when you lose somebody like that, when you're fans like us, like seeing that kind of recognition just makes you feel so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. about it. So, all right. So we get the uh, the performance coming here. We'll go through that, and I can kind of we can something we can kind of talk through as we as we watch it. Let's see when they cut to the performance here. Coverdale and Hughes having a little uh, Hughes and Gillen going in oh. for a little little hug. I love it. We love to see it, folks. <laughs> like Glenn Hughes turned around and was, it's showtime. And NWA was being inducted to the same thing. That's why they were cutting to Dr. Dre. Here they go. Wow. So they're playing their first big hit. Yeah, which only Ian Pace was involved with <laughs> on the stage. I think you got it, babe. Morse does a nice job of doing that Richie Blackmore. Yeah. Steve Morse is also apparently left handed, I heard. I love and Don Airy got all decked out and he's like wearing a full tux. <laughs> See, I feel like they could have switched off verses with like Coverdale and Hughes or something. That would have been something seeing Coverdale and Hughes do Hush. Yeah, they could have done Hush and it would have been great. It would be great to see Gillen singing Burn. Yeah, you know, that would have been something if um, 
if Rod Evans had showed up. Imagine <laughs> he should. He he didn't tell anybody he was coming. <laughs> Everybody like, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he looks happy and bald headed and. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that happy bald-headed guy? Oh my god, it's, oh, it's Rod Evans. It's Rod. Funny if he just showed up in jeans and a t-shirt, you know. Hey, how you doing? Oh, you get oh, that little spaceman outfit he wore in the new Deep Purple. <laughs> it is too bad, though. I mean, something like this would have been, like, a great opportunity for everybody to come together. Like, you know, him, Blackmore, like, that just would have been, like, unbelievable to see them all together. And it, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, look at freaking Don Airy back there. You're right. He looks like he's ready to, like, park somebody's car or, like, <laughs> run somebody's luggage upstairs or something. <laughs> Gillen looks like he forgot the words. What's the next word? Nah. Nah. Oh, nah. <laughs> it? It's nah. Ah. Got it. <laughs> Got it. I think Roger Glover cleans up pretty nice. Oh, yeah. Of course, I could have predicted they were going to play this one. How did you know? Well, I know they weren't going to be playing A200 or anything. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> they bust into A200. He was in Coverdale <laughs> backstage like, what the hell? Anyone's daughter. It's like something really like unusual. They just threw in like a like a verse of some real deep cut like that would be awesome. And now's not the time to get avant-garde. No, you gotta you gotta keep it to the basic radio hits if you're gonna be performing on this stage. That's the Gillen that we've seen recently with the, those dance moves. I cut to a picture of Coverdale and Lord there. performances yeah and it's tough going into it cold like this just going on stage and playing a couple of songs i mean yeah like we were saying they're not breaking any new ground pulling on any deep cuts but i mean they they look good they sound good <laughs> they cut to Steve Marcy does that one like woo, woo, and then he gives a nice little smile like you like that? <laughs> like what I just did there?
I think they're just doing the radio edit here. Hey Stevie, what's happening? <laughs> oh, Gillen grabbed the tambourine. <laughs> of course he did. I like how he keeps true to the original solo there. Oh, Elaine Bennis dance <laughs> came out for a second. <laughs> no, yeah, I do like how he kept true to the original solo, but he still, you could tell it was, it was uh, him playing it. Yeah, he embellishes like in the middle, but he keeps that like that little end part, that little staccato bend thing in there. Yeah. Maybe they're not doing the radio edit. I stand corrected. Airy makes it look too easy. <laughs> yeah, what I mean, what an awesome replacement in the band for John Lord. I mean, it's got to be the perfect replacement. I can't think of anybody that would have been able to fit in so, so well. And like you said, I mean, what a well-known name and like contributor to the Deep Purple history. And all the stuff he's done outside of Deep Purple. I mean, the guy, he should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame alone. But I mean, his style obviously fits in with them. I mean, he's playing John Lord's parts like he was there. Yep. Roger Glover throwing picks out into the crowd. Take it easy. Bye -bye. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Smith. Give him a big round of applause. There you go. So that's uh that's the induction ceremony. You know, I really like if anybody's watching the video. I really like how <laughs> everybody, like even like you look at Roger Glover, he's still he's still cool. He's grooving with the bass and everything like that. Everybody looks great, but even the way he stands, like Ian Gillen, just looks like he's just turned into that like kooky old grandpa, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> like just like 
like waving his fists around and like doing these like crazy motions like, oh, I think this will be funny. Yeah. You know, we made a place to sweat. And then he like wipes his forehead off like, huh? <laughs> it's like, oh, God, groan. Wah, wah. You know, it's like. But I mean, you know, it's like it's not bad. It's just like that's one of the things that I love about his performance these days. But he's like he's lost like that. The edge, you know that 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 <laughs> swagger that he had back in the day. Yeah, but it's like that's that makes me love him even more. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, replaced with that quirkiness that we all love, you know, from him. It's just too funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he can get away with it because he's Ian freaking Gillen. Oh so. yeah, God, he can get he can get away with anything, as far as I'm so concerned. Um, so after this, they did a a little a little press thing. And they have, um, where is it here? We've got um, Coverdale and Hughes getting interviewed. So you get like two old friends here getting interviewed. So it's obviously, uh, they're very comfortable with each other. This is backstage, a little glimpse into the inner workings of Coverdale and Hughes. They're going to be asked some questions. And the first question they're asked is, let's see if I can find this. Um, boop, 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 boop. It is... So I think they're being asked about um, if they'd been in contact with Richie at all. So here's here's kind of their their response to that question. Back left. Right. Anything? Any? Right here, David Sell from iHeartRadio. Nice to see you. And you, sir? Uh, have you been in touch with Richie? Yes, I have actually. Well, I, I emailed uh, his uh, manager. A couple of days ago and said, you know, I'd love, I'd, I'd heard there was all kinds of kind of stuff going on, which was not really inviting him. So I extended a personal invitation to sit with me uh, and I never really got a, a response. But Richie and I um, <coughs> reconnected in 2012 uh, after the loss of John Lord, uh, just to express my condolences because I knew, you know, they were founder members for God's sake, John and Richie. And we uh, buried the hatchet of 30 years of inflammatory oratory, which was great. But yeah, it's a big disappointment to me he, he wasn't here tonight. And also, you know, the memory of Tommy Bolin, of course. He's got his pajamas on. I can only yes, apologize. <laughs> Busting on Glenn Hughes, saying he's got his pajamas on. <laughs> so they do a little bit of a of a little bit of a photo shoot here for a few seconds, then we skip ahead here. I think they're going to be talking to Glenn here. You have microphone technique, apparently, after 40 odd f***ing years. <laughs> I say, on, old boy. Uh, yes, I think um, my representatives were talking to the Hall of Fame about Whitesnake getting inducted at some time, probably in my early 70s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, f***ing day. Everyone was consciously waiting, you know. I've, Glenn's busy, I'm busy, really. We have, uh, have our families and our business and stuff, our music. It's not really sitting around waiting to be acknowledged. You know, we get, we're very fortunate. It's different from Hollywood. We get acknowledged every night in performance. It's not just red carpet. So there's no sitting around waiting. I think as, as band members, we all, we all knew eventually, if you don't mind me saying so, uh, Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath the, uh, and Purple were kind of, were called the holy trinity of rock music in the 70s from Britain. Lars. So, yeah, so... Um, I think the fans are the ones that have taken the, the, the hurt the most. Uh, David and I spoke often about 
maybe next year. It was never really a disappointment. We just let the river flow and we're here and we are so grateful to be accepting this award. Thank you so much. Do you want to see how many members are in Whitesnake? <laughs> a lot. No, 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 no. Are you kidding? How, many, how often do you get to... Is it the root of a happy family, this total lack of communication? I'm not sure, but no, no. <laughs> The first time, for instance, I spoke to uh, Ian Gillen, whom I'm a huge fan of, uh, was uh, over 40 years ago when we flew to uh, London from Los Angeles to do a charity show called The Butterfly Ball that had been created by Roger Glover. Uh, and Rich and, and uh, Ian and I got drunk and threatened to make an album together. He'd do the Elvis songs and I'd do the Little Richard songs. Then 40 years later, <laughs> we, uh, we spoke... Uh, about mutual things going on in the business side of uh, Deep Purple, but uh, to congratulate each other on this nominate on the induction. All right. Uh, and other then... than that, there's no there's no real communication, other than G and I. David and I have been through thick and thin for 43 years and kept a close close relationship. <laughs> Pajamas throw me, darling. <laughs> um, I asked for it's it. It's formal. It's formal. <laughs> I am uh, a well-dressed pajama type of chap. Between between. Between you and I, of course. Um, do we get to vote? Yes, we do. Oh, okay. We are now voting members, and of course, I'm getting all these phone calls from from people that you know. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's a lot more room for great rock music from wherever you know. So, I'm glad that we've opened the door for other rock. Uh, bands that may be from a different generation, not too far, because you have to be a certain age to get here, unless you had a hit record when you was four. Evidently. So, um, <laughs> again, and I have been, been really, really close, and long may that continue, and long may the legacy of Deep Purple, yeah. the band and brand, continue. Thank you so very much. Cheers. Thank you, gentlemen. Yes, Thank that's you. all. Thank you, guys. Thanks. I could watch uh, just like a, a show with the two of those guys interacting. Like that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah, these pajamas. <laughs> he just brings it up out of nowhere. <laughs> There's a good story in one of the books. I can't remember which one of the books I was reading. There's so many of them now, but uh, where he talks about, yeah, they basically, after the butterfly ball, Coverdale and Gillen just like hung out for like four days and were like drunk for four straight days. It's like, I can only wow. imagine how awesome that would be. Imagine if they had wow. made an album. That was an album I would like to cover. Yeah. Um, could we cover albums that could have been? <laughs> well, we can do whatever we want. Uh, we'll have to run it by the board and see if they'll okay that episode. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. we could do. Yeah, imagine, imagine what the Gillen and uh, Gillen Coverdale album would have been like. Um, mm -hmm. And then, kind of, I think the last real thing here. There's actually another interview with Glenn Hughes. It's a little long. I'll put it in the show notes where he talks about how he hasn't been in contact with Richie Blackmore since 1976. Is the last wow. time that they spoke, which is a real shame. And then, um, where is it? The final thing I wanted to share was kind of the, um, maybe this one. Oh, I think this is the one, which is the interview with the three members that are actually in Deep Purple still. So let's see if we can. All right, thank you. We're going to bring Deep Purple out to do some photos with Lars. They're going to bring Deep Purple out for some photos. Lars has got the toothpick in. He's too cool for school. Hi, congratulations. We're going to do right to left and then up top, gentlemen. Want a couple more? So, yeah, they're doing a photo shoot. Lars is standing there with his right in there. velvet 
<laughs> deep purple blazer on. Oh my goodness. And they're all posing with Lars. Look at that damn dude. He leaves the toothpick in his mouth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what a tool. Oh no, he just took it out. He took it out for the photos. Okay. And then upper deck, everybody. Nice, up top. <laughs> like, upper deck, everybody? Nobody's looking up there. <laughs> Gillen's like, yeah, you can't tell me where to look. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> All right, thank you, Lars. We're going to open it up for some questions for Deep Purple. All right, Q&A. Lars, beat it. It's <laughs> 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 a nice way of saying, Lars, He's could like, you Whoa. please leave? Here we go. in a second here. Maybe I'll edit this down. <laughs> Eventually he'll get the question. Here we go. <clears throat> go ahead. Roger, I want to get your take. You mentioned Richie Blackmore in your speech. Where do you stand on Richie not being here? <laughs> yeah, it would be lovely to actually be standing here with Richie and John, uh, but that's not reality at the moment. So it's the way it is. But uh, Richie and John in particular, and Ian Pace, I have to say, when I first met them, I'd never met musicians like that before. And they taught me a hell of a lot. So I owe them an, an enormous debt. And I just wish we could all be together here. Um, I know how much the current lineup means to you, but we all know the real reason the body of work that Deep Purple is being recognized for is the body of work from that, you know, original and second lineup. And then with, of course, David and uh, So the question is, could they put their bygones aside for one night and get all the members together for a show? I told show? you already, I invited him, you know. Yeah. I, 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 twice. <laughs> Gillen's getting he's, upset. He's like bitchy about it. And he could say he wasn't turning, going to turn up for the last six weeks, and he'd just like him to have turned up. <laughs> so you never know. You know, it would not have surprised me at all to look around and seen him there. But it was Richie's choice, and that's fine. You know. So yeah. So Ian Pace says, you know, it would be just like Richie to say he's not coming and then just show up out of the blue. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. you know, Ian Pace explaining to the, the press that Richie is kind of his own, his own cat and does things his own way. No problem. Thank mm -hmm. you. I, uh, gentlemen, we have one more in the back. Yeah, sorry. Asking what they thought about Lars's speech. Did you hear that? No, we didn't know what he was going to say, but I wish we could live up to it because it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Congratulations. Yeah. Okay, guys, thank you, man. Thank you. That was it. <laughs> That's what they like had. Like Ian Gillen. <laughs> like, what? We invited him. He's like, I've told you fools we've invited him. And then there's like... There's I told you fools. <laughs> and Richie, did I read? I don't think I read this, but off of Richie Blackmore's official Facebook page, which I don't know mm -hmm. who maintains that or if it's even official. <laughs> It says, Richie was honored by the offer of induction to the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. He was discussing the possibility of attending until we received correspondence from the president of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who said that Bruce Payne, management for the current Deep Purple touring band, had said no. 
Therefore, Richie will not be attending the ceremony. He sincerely thanks all the fans who voted for him for their support. So oh, that's stupid. It's true. I mean, I don't know. There's so much going on. There's so much history, so much, so many layers. I mean, who knows? But I mean, another huge factor is Richie Blackmore is, is Richie Blackmore. I mean, you heard what he said in that earlier interview. He's, He's yeah, not really care. He's not really interested in that sort of thing. And I, I don't think the members that were there were that interested in it. They I think they did it because it was like, ah, it'll be a fun night. We'll we'll go there, we'll bring our, our wives, we'll sit down, have a nice meal, we'll perform for six minutes. You know, it was I'm sure it was a fun time for everybody, but like they said, I mean I take them at their word that they didn't think it was that important it wasn't a make it or break it and it wasn't you know and at the end of the day and that's kind of my take on it too is like who cares if your favorite band is in the rock and roll hall of fame or not are they still your favorite band like is that going to change anything it's always nice to be recognized and you can play monday morning quarterback and say this band should be in before that band and this band deserves more recognition but at the end of the day they're Mm. deep purple they've had whether it's visible or not they've had a huge influence on 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 music and uh, in this genre in particular for the past 50 plus years. So that's what really matters. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's it. The subject I never thought we'd cover the rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah, we had a definitely got a lot more mileage out of this episode than I thought we would going in because we were just kind of like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are we going to talk it's, about? It's kind of one of our first um, fan suggested episodes so mm. or li- mm. i should say listener i don't know if we have any fans mm. but our listener suggested episodes so hopefully that was uh, entertaining and it is a lot of fun and i do i do enjoy a lot of the aspects of this in fact like the like the large speech and all that and it's great seeing you know just the emotion when they talk when they talk about john lord and all that is really kind of touching so all right so other than that, we've got the news. The only news piece I really had, I don't know if you saw this, but it's been kind of all been blasted all over all the, the normal sites you would normally see things like this. But Michael Schenker has been it was interviewed in Rock Candy magazine about how he was potentially going to collaborate with Coverdale. And he mm-hmm. says uh, it says back in the 80s when I had the Michael Schenker group, my manager at the time, Peter Mensch, believed we needed a new singer to replace Gary Barden. I'd picked Gary for a reason, but Peter wanted to take the band to the next level, and he wanted David Coverdale to work with me. Coverdale probably asked Mensch to get me and Cozy Powell and Chris Glenn over to Whitesnake to replace Bernie Marsden and Mickey Moody, and whoever else was in the band at that time. I think that was the idea, but I didn't want to let go of MSG. I said, no, you asked Coverdale to join us. So it's kind of like, I won't join you, you join us. You know that song Dancer from the MSG Assault Attack album. I actually jammed that song with Coverdale. I already had the music and we'd sung it differently with some different words. So we tried something, but I didn't really want to do it. So another another musical collaboration that could have been Michael Shankar and David Coverdale. Mm-hmm. Not really that familiar with Michael Shankar. Um, I know Michael Shankar a little, group bit. A little bit, but I, I mostly from their crappy 80s stuff. So I'm sure <laughs> no offense, uh, but I'm, I'm sure maybe some of their other stuff would be more appealing to me. But I've heard some stuff from him here and there. Like, I don't I don't love him consistently. You know, it's like I've heard some songs where it's like, oh, that's good. But I've tried to listen to like whole albums or like his um, uh, UFO stuff. And it's just like it doesn't it's it's inconsistent for me. I don't I don't always love it. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's it's like got some good stuff. 
then uh, when this episode comes out, it'll be February 24th through March 2nd in that week. A couple of uh, just a couple things. Actually, kind of a slow week. But March 1st, 1946, Tony Ashton was born. A big day for Tony Ashton, who we've covered in numerous episodes. And then from the book, this book by Jerry Bloom, which is called, um, I think it's called Deep Purple, A Matter of Fact. Um, February 28th, 1970, Richie Blackmore's guitar is stolen in Liverpool. And it's, I think it's got a serial number. The serial number is 221737. I don't know if it was a Strat or not, but I'll get the book somewhere. But uh, kind of interesting. And it's I guess, I guess it's never turned up. Somebody's got to be sitting on that thing. If you're listening, check your guitar. I don't know if... Well, he might have been playing a Gibson still at that point. Mm-hmm. Might have been a Gibson, might have been a Strat. When was it stolen? March, uh, February 28th, 1970. He could have still been on a... He probably was still using the Gibson at that point that like... I don't know if it was semi-hollow bodied, but... Check your serial numbers, folks, if you've got a vintage, Stra- a vintage Gibson lying around. 221737. You never know. I mean, you know, maybe John Lord's widow has it hidden in her basement as revenge for him <laughs> throwing the concerto into the ocean. This this would have been hmm. <laughs> when was the last time they did the concerto? I I know we have that date somewhere. Uh I wonder if this is before uh, or maybe Blackmore threw the score of the concerto for revenge for this. We don't know. Oh. <laughs> uh. We'll have to do some investigating and get to the bottom of that. It's poss- very possible that the, the concerto and the score are both being stored at the Blackmore and Lord residences. <laughs> Somewhere. In some sort of like like standoff, like like you hand me the score, I hand you the guitar. Same time. <laughs> Same time. Either way, what a, what a couple of collector's items huh? those would be. Yeah, you know? that'd be a great one-two set. You never know. Somebody might to this day have that guitar and not even know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but they could have just sold it. And yeah, so somebody's just got this vintage guitar and no idea that it used to be Richie Blackmore's. You just see Richie Blackmore booking a flight <laughs> to Liverpool and trying to kick the person's ass and take the guitar back. <laughs> Be- or just taking the big book from the concerto and beating them on the head with it. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, that's all we got this week. Let us know what you think. Leave us a note in the comment comments. Click li- click like and subscribe. Right? Is that what you're supposed to say? If you if if this, I don't know you if this episode even makes it to YouTube and doesn't get banned. Ugh. Who knows? I know <laughs> we get banned too often these days. Yeah. Too, not for anything. We're too controversial. Yeah. It's okay. Upload an entire album and put it on YouTube with just like. Nothing, nothing, nothing to say about it. Totally fine. Try to discuss it critically. Banned. Banned. <sighs> All oh right, boy. everybody. Well, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Yep, see you then. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also give us a rating on iTunes to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening.
And from the suburbs of Rhode Island, ah! 